Hi, working moms. I have such a treat for you today. I am interviewing one of my clients that just finished up her six months of coaching with me. Her name is Amanda Yan. And we are having a conversation about becoming a confident decision maker. It's so good. Amanda came to me telling me that she was constantly going back and forth in her brain around making decisions. She was questioning everything. Everything from like, when she was washing the dishes, her brain thinking, maybe she shouldn't be washing the dishes right now. Maybe she should be folding the laundry or maybe she should be playing with her kids. And every time that she let her kids watch a TV show, her brain would say, maybe this isn't the best use of their time. Maybe I should be playing with them. Maybe we should be doing a family activity. Maybe they should be cooking with me. Her brain was constantly telling her that she was probably making the wrong decision. That would then cause all of this internal turmoil within her of questioning what was right and what was wrong. And it was exhausting her and making her feel really overwhelmed and really bad ultimately about herself because no decision seemed to be right in her brain. I know that all of us can relate to this on some level where we are over-researching, overthinking, questioning all of our decisions, fearing failure in our decisions, needing to make sure that we get to the right decision and just spending excruciating amounts of time thinking and considering what that right decision would be. And it is not leading to a very free and balanced and happy-filled life. So for Amanda, we spent a lot of work talking about what it means to become a confident decision maker. And as she was wrapping up her time with me in coaching, I invited her to come onto this podcast and to share with us her journey in becoming a confident decision maker and some of the really key moments and key tools that coaching provided her in that journey. So I know that you're going to get so much from this interview. You're probably going to want to listen to it twice. So get ready. Here we go. Let us dive into confident decision making. Welcome to the Ambitious and Balanced Working Mom Podcast, the place for women who want to balance their ambitious career goals with their life as a mom. If you're looking to feel more confident, decisive, and productive at both work and home, then this is the place for you. I'm your host, Rebecca Olson. Let's get to it. Right. Working moms, I'm so excited. I have a guest here today, Amanda. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm so excited that Amanda is here to share with us today. Amanda is a client that I've been working with for about the last six months. And so we just finished up our six months together in coaching with me. And I wanted to bring her on this podcast because her story and where she has come from over the course of coaching is just really relatable to so many working moms. We're going to hear a little bit about where she was at and some of the tools that were most beneficial to her, what is really resonating and sticking with her over the course of coaching. And of course, we're going to talk about where she's landed today because some pretty wonderful things have happened over the last six months. And I want her to be able to share that too. So thank you, Amanda, for being here. This is so much fun. Thank you, Rebecca, for having me. I'm very excited. I've been your follower for a very long time and have listened to your conversation with other ladies. And I'm just very honored to be a part of the conversation today. Oh, I love it. It's a conversation about being a working mom and going after the life that you want to have. For me, it's this conversation around not settling. I think that for us as working moms, we tend to settle in some way. We settle in our career because 
We don't want it to impact our family. We settle in our health or like the time that we spend with ourselves because we don't want it to impact our family or our job. You know, like we're always kind of feeling like something is sacrificing in our life. And I hate that that's like our internal dialogue and that that's a reality for so many working moms. It like it fuels me in a lot of the work that I do as a coach. And so I love the idea that we're just having a conversation about what it means to be an ambitious working mom and do it really well. Yes, for sure. <laughs> You're absolutely right. So like, I'm passionate about the concept of winning at work and succeeding in life. And uh, listen to a lot of pack podcasts on parenting and leadership. I just believe there is a balance there. Maybe we cannot have it all, but there is a balance we can achieve. Sometimes you may not be able to do it on your own. That's why you need help. Sometimes you need help. Reach out for help. Just like when we work out, we have coach. Yeah, we hire personal trainers to help us like in our workouts and so forth. And then you hire a life coach to help you figure out how to balance life and go after life. There's a correlation there for sure. Tell me why you decided to come to coaching. Where were you at You know, six months ago? I guess I think it was like in March or April or so when we first connected. And where were you at then? And what kind of led you to reach out to me? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit about my background. So I'm a working mom. For sure. Introduce us and tell us how many kids you have and like what you <laughs> yes. do. I, I'm sorry. For sure. Tell us all about yourself. I want to hear it. Yeah, sure. I think that will give you a little bit of context of the struggle I was going through at the time. So I'm a working mom of two toddlers, that almost a five-year-old and almost two-year-old. So professionally, I am the director of business intelligence right now for an e-commerce company. The biggest struggle I had, other two struggles I was having is the constant chatter of what I'm doing is wrong. Like there's always something else I should be doing. There's a different way I should be doing some things. And another thing to struggle I had was comparing my actions and decisions with other people. If others took different action, made different decision, I saw negative self-talk. Like I'm not good enough of a mom. I'm not, I'm not wise. I'm not smart. Why didn't I think of that? So different ways, this kind of issues manifested in my daily life. Like on a daily level, it could be things like I'm doing dishes. Like maybe I shouldn't be doing dishes. I should play with my kids. And when I'm playing with my kids, like, oh, the house is a mess. I should be cleaning. It's just a constant chatter of I'm not doing the right thing. There's something else I should be doing. There's something else of the, the way of I'm doing things not right. I think at work, I think it's manifested in at that time, when I first start working with you, Rebecca, I, w- I was in the middle of trying to decide, okay, whether I should leave my current company or not. So I keep going back and forth. That's okay, I'm staying. And then somebody, somebody else tell me something about the company. Said, oh, okay. Well, why didn't I know that? Why didn't I think of that? I should leave. Then I hear somebody else's opinion. Like, oh, maybe I should stay. <laughs> it's like, I don't have my own opinion. Always compare. If somebody has a different opinion, I always say, Okay, why didn't I think of that? It's always better. No matter what their opinion is, it's always better than yours. It's always better. They must know something or they must be smarter. Yeah. So it's the, I think it's the, the way I thought about it is okay. But the fear is that 15 years down the road, 20 years down the road, when the kids are grown up, when I am at a later stage of my career, I would look back in the past two decades and okay, what I'm doing wasn't right. Right, I'm regretting not spending enough time with the kids, or re- regretting not putting, and uh, not really put or do all we can, all I can do in my career. That's why it led me to you <laughs> to help me figure out. <laughs> I would imagine because you have two kids, so starting to have kids 
was that internal chatter just magnified, right? Like it, it was there before and you were always kind of second guessing yourself and your decisions and what you were doing and why you were doing it. But it didn't affect really anybody but you. And then all of a sudden, it had this effect on your kids and your family and the potential for regret like went, you know, skyrocketed. A hundred percent, hundred percent. So the fear is that, okay, if I let her watch TV for 20 minutes every day, she's going to be negative affected. She's going to grow up to be a very poor kid. She's not <laughs> going to be as smart. It's everything, every little decision I make has been like magnified a hundredfold because I'm not just responsible for myself anymore, but for the very impressionable little kids. <laughs> Big picture, you came to coaching to be able to start making more confident decisions, to learn how to really trust yourself in your decision-making, to know why you make decisions in the way you make them and what is most important to you in those decisions. So you end some of that negative or that self-talk chatter in your head and you end a lot of that comparison. Or when it happens, you kind of know how to redirect it on some level. The funny thing is, Rebecca, I think when I came to, when I came to you, that's what I was thinking about you were going to help me make the right decisions at every moment. Oh, it's so good. You're going to help <laughs> make the right decisions. But every session with you, you, just, you change the my mindset about what the right decision is. You change yeah. my mind. Because I could teach you how to make a right decision about your job and that job conversation around what's next for you in your career. And I could help you make a, quote, right decision around some of the parenting things that you were decision makings that you were doing as a parent and how much screen time should they have and how should we set up what are the right rhythms for my family you know some of those conversations that are important like we could have had really specific conversations and made some decisions together that you feel really confident about or i could just teach you how to be a confident decision maker so that no matter what your decision is down the line <laughs> you always feel like you can trust yourself and you know how to make decisions in a confident way you become the person that doesn't second guess themselves, then now you've just solved it for life. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're right. I love that you decided to make an investment in yourself to become a confident decision maker because we make 30,000 decisions a day. We make so many decisions, everything from do I want a grande cup of coffee or a tall cup of coffee, right? Like little tiny things. And there's like, if you go to Starbucks, you have about 10 decisions in that moment, you know, that we don't even think about it, but that's 10 decisions that you have to make. And then we make those kind of decisions to like big decisions. Like what is the most important thing for me to work on today? Like what is going to be the most effective use of my time today? Or how is the best way to frame that correspondence to someone? There's so many decisions that we make if what you're saying is with so many of them on a conscious and subconscious level, you were always wondering if you were making the right decision and second guessing yourself and every little piece of it and wondering if you should have done something better or something different. And then if that was your internal experience around 30,000 decisions, I could only imagine there was a sense of exhaustion <laughs> all of the time, mental fatigue all of the time because you were never doing anything right. You can't feel really satisfied. I mean, I say satisfied, but like, I think satisfaction in life is really important in terms of happiness, right? So you were not really feeling a deep sense of satisfaction or happiness in life because you're always thinking you should have been doing something different. You talked about regret. And that's something that I talk with a lot of my clients about is, you know, I want you to get to your kid's high school graduation and like, look back at 
the experience of raising your kids before you send them off to college and for you to really feel like you did it exactly the way you wanted. You showed up as the mom that you wanted to be. You gave them the time that you wanted to give them. You raised them in the way that you wanted to raise them. That is such a powerful feeling to me to think about that, to get to that point in life and have that experience. But it's not just about that in the future. We're not trying to prevent future regret. If you're fearing regret, that you're going to regret some things, it means you're regretting things right now. You are living a life of regret because nothing was ever right and you should always be doing something different. And that feels like the most worthwhile investment of money and time I could ever think of is to become a person that ends all of that and never regrets their decisions from here on out. I can 100% relate to that. It's just the anxiety I was feeling. Oh, yeah. The daily life. Yeah. I mentioned on doing dishes. I feel I'm not doing dishes the right way. The order of I'm doing dishes <laughs> is not it's like right. It's the trivialist thing. Like, how can you do dishes wrong? It's just dishes. (laughs) Okay, what's the order I should dishes? How can I do it fast? Like, okay, I want to finish this. I'm always rushing through life, like rushing it so I can finish the dishes so I can play with the kids. Then while playing with the kids, I think, okay, I should, we should do this so then I can go back cooking. And so when I'm with the kids, okay, I try to be present, but at the same time, there's a fear of, am I present enough? Am I going to be, I'm going to regret about not being present enough? which prevents, prevents me from being present. It's anxiety of it, the stress of it. Even now I'm talking about it, I can still experience the anxiety I feel at every little things. I just feel that could not, that could not be the good life. <laughs> so a lot of our journey was about becoming a confident decision maker. Like It was a conversation about not the decisions themselves, though we did talk a lot about various decisions, and you made some important ones over the course of our time together about becoming a person that makes confident decisions. Tell me about that process for you or some of the things that stand out to you when you just think about the journey of becoming a confident decision maker. I think it all starts from clarity on my value and my mom value that you helped me define to own up to the values unapologetically. And the one thing that was very interesting in our first conversation, Rebecca, was that, okay, I would like to have impact. And you ask, okay, it's a depth of impact or the width of impact, the scope of impact. I never thought about it. I thought, oh, wow, it's the scope of impact I like to have. I think to own up to that unapologetically really helped me understand a lot of the past decisions I made and also the tendency of me making certain decisions intuitively. So just to have the perspective of uh, how I make decisions kind of reduce the level of self-judgment self and self-criticism I have of myself. Really like it's the why you make decisions in the way that you do. Yeah. I don't know if you remember the story of the being a fire searcher. That, that was something I... Right, that's right. <laughs> Should I share the story? Yeah, go for oh, it. Okay, okay. It was something that was really... You had been sitting with for a long time, I remember. Oh, for a very long time. You're like, I got to talk about this, Rebecca. I've been thinking about this for so long <laughs> and I need to finally like decide and move on. <laughs> yes, I was I was beating myself up really hard for something that's, that seems trivial. Okay, the story was that I was working for a large organization at the time and they were looking for somebody who would be a fire fire marshal in the event of a fire. So you would that person would go around the floor, make sure everybody there's nobody in the bathroom, nobody is being like trapped in the corner, or something happened. Or if there's some something like something like that, that person would tell 
would tell the firefighters, right? The fire department. There was like a liaison between the business and the fire department. Yeah, exactly. So I said, okay, sounds interesting. I'm going to do it. Like somebody needs to do it. That sounds like a good thing to do. I, said, I signed out for it. When I talked to my friend who is also a mom, and she, she said, there's no way I'm doing it. I'm responsible for my kids over anybody else. If the fire happens, I'm going to be the first one out of here. Wow. I didn't think of that. Why can't I be more responsible about my kids? Why didn't I think of my kids first? <laughs> so I beat myself up. I'm such a terrible mom. I'm not I'm even thinking about my mom. kids <laughs> in the midst of a fire. Like, what am I, what's going on? Yes. So I really beat myself up for years and years because of that. Wow. I don't remember that. I don't remember that this was that long of a conversation in your head. <laughs> yeah, 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 it has. It has. So, like, okay, I had to talk to you about it. And you help me understand, hey, it's, that really goes back to my, my value of having a scope of impact in that situation. Now you help me understand the likelihood of that happening. And in that situation, would I really put my life at risk? Are they really asking you to put your life at risk? No. They're no, they're, they're not. So <laughs> oh, that's just, just uh, really helped me, helped me overcome that, that guilt I've been feeling for years. That you had felt for years over this decision. Yes, over this decision. At the time that we were having this conversation, were you still the fire liaison? No, I wasn't. You weren't anymore. Okay. Yeah, I was at a different company already. It was a retrospective conversation we were having because imagine how many of these decisions on a subconscious level are sitting with you or had been sitting with you that you did it wrong and you should have done something differently. And you're a terrible mom. You're a terrible person. Like you're not, you know, all of these things. Like there's so much weight to all of this, right? And what we did in that conversation, I mean, what you're talking about is, is that we defined the difference between like a wide impact versus a deep impact. And what did that look like? And we were kind of analyzing it. And that's such that you mentioned clarity as being such an important part of becoming a confident decision maker. And what we do in coaching is we define three really important things. And really, I don't do this with all of my clients, but for you, we, we, had, we added a fourth one in there, which was like your core values as a human being, like really what's most important to you at the heart of it. And then we identified when you are showing up as your best, how do you show up? What's the impact that you make on the people around you and on the world when you show up and like put some words to that. We defined your purpose. And then we also defined something that I like to call as your mom values, which can have some similarities to obviously just your core values as a human being. But it's really about like, what do you most want to, what values do you most want to instill in your children and how you want to show up as a mom specifically in the midst of your family, right? So we had all of these words now, you know, this arsenal of words, as I like to call it, to define you at a really core level and what makes you tick. And we thought about all of those things, not just through the lens of like your job or your work or your career, or just you as a mom, like we just, we thought about it as a, in total, like you would think about it. You can name some of these things that have been important to you since you were young for many, many years ago. It's like, oh yeah, I've always just been that person that does this or thinks this way or has had some inclination towards whatever it may be. That's some of the work that we do that brings some real deep clarity. Like, yes, this is who I am. And what's really important about that process is not just defining who you are, it's defining who you're not. Very equally important, which is a part of the process of really ending a lot of the comparison is recognizing like, this is who I am. This is who they are. <laughs> and they have a whole other list of things that are their values that are most important to them that they're living their life by. And I have mine over here. And it's great when they like work together 
And sometimes they don't. And that causes some conflict. And that's okay, too. Like, it's not personal. It's just, this is who I am. And this is who they are. And I don't have to constantly be trying to align myself to somebody else's values. In fact, I don't even really want to do that. (laughs) That's not life-giving to me to do that. It's important to know, to like have some language to describe that clarity piece of like, this is who I am and what's most important to me and how I want to live my life. That's a really big part of becoming a confident decision maker is having like a matrix of understanding (laughs) of the kind of life you want to live by, the quote rules that you want to live by, if you will, (laughs) that are just based on you. The rules and also other people's rules and also sometimes just to have a framework of looking at things that you realize you're not good at, but other people are good at. Like, for example, like most recently, we went on a family trip with, uh, with another family. Uh, one thing I'm not good at is researching for activities to do and a place to eat. I think the old me would be like, okay, I should be doing more of this. I can't just rely on somebody else doing this. Um, I should step up. Like a good mom would have planned activities for their kids all of the time and know exactly and make sure we're eating at places that have healthy options that they're going to eat at. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yes, exactly. I think that immediately I go to that mode like, oh, wait a second. It's not, uh, no, that's not something I'm good at. It's not something I'm interested in, but there are things I'm taking care of for everybody. I'm, I'm the person who woke up early in the morning, making coffee, making breakfast for the whole, for the two family. So they're good at this. That family will handle it. I'm very good at this. I'll do it and enjoying the making the prop breakfast and also relax. Let them drive what we should do. It's just the mindset shift of understanding what you want versus what you just can't give up. You don't need to worry about it. And being able to let it go with a lot of ease. Because to your point, like your brain still wanted to offer to you that maybe you should be researching all of these things and you should be contributing to these ideas and to planning the activities. Your brain still offered that to you, but you were able to hear it and say, oh, no, I don't actually have to do that. That's okay. Like, here's where my strengths are and what I have to contribute and what's most important to me. Your brain still offered to you that you should be doing something else, right? That you should be helping with the planning of the activities and so forth like that. But you were able to hear that and go, oh, that's actually not true. Like, that isn't what I need to be doing. My gifts, my value, like what I have to offer is over here in this department. Like I want to make sure people are getting up and being cozy and feel taken care of, right? And so it's the ability to redirect your brain as a big part of confident decision-making. And I want to point that out because a lot of times when we think about confident decision-making, we think that there's no second guessing whatsoever. Like we just, we make a decision and we don't ever question it. We move on. There's nothing in our brain that is putting any type of hesitation about the decision. That's what we like to think of as confident decision-making. When in reality, that's not it at all. A confident decision-maker, of course, is going to have times where they think deeply about their decision and question it and kind of make sure that whatever they're deciding is the right thing moving forward. Of course, they're going to do that. They know how to redirect their brain in the way that's most useful to them so that they don't feel stuck in the decision. So they're not going back and remaking the decision again. So the decision isn't lingering with them. So they don't have the comparison or the negativity that can come with decision-making, right? They can make a decision and whenever their brain questions it, they go, oh, well, 
here's why I made the decision and here's why it still feels right. And they move on. And I even remember that was part of our last conversation that we had together is like, what's like a 10 out of 10 in confident decision making? And I remember you said, well, I shouldn't hesitate about decisions ever. And is that really true? Like, <laughs> you shouldn't be hesitating. Is that really what a confident decision maker is? And, and then we had to like question that. We're like, mm, actually, no, <laughs> that's not really true. I think question your dis- questioning the decision part gives a room for growth, for genuine growth. For growth and for pivoting. Yes. If your brain offers to you, maybe I should be doing this. If you take a moment with it and you go, should I be doing that? No, I shouldn't. Here's why I shouldn't. Or should I be doing that? Oh, maybe I should consider that. Let me think about it with a lot of intentionality about if I want to pivot and go a different direction right now, or if I want to stay the course that I'm on. Like, that's okay to pivot. (laughs) We just want to do it with intentionality. We want to do it with an understanding of why versus like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Maybe I made the wrong decision. And then you you think that the old decision was wrong if you pivot, right? Like there's none of that (laughs) in confident decision-making. No, it's none of that. It's a very liberating feeling to bring the intentionality in your decision-making. And it wasn't self-criticism. Even even I'm changing my decision was because, oh, I was so... Well, I wasn't smart enough to make the right decision at the moment. It was like, huh, that wasn't working. It brought a lot of playfulness, lightness into the decision. Like, oh, that wasn't working. Let me try something else. That doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. It wasn't that's something you help really understand the the concept of right versus wrong. It wasn't black and white. It, It may be okay, I didn't have all the information. Maybe even if I change my decision or even if the the outcome isn't perfect, you help me understand that, you know, between the decision and outcome, there are so many external variables that you don't have control over. Just because the outcome is not what you're expecting doesn't negate your decision. Or maybe you have got additional information like, oh, I didn't know that. Now I know it. I'm going to change my decision. Or you don't. (laughs) What you're saying is that confident decision-making doesn't mean that you always get to the results that you desired. In fact, the results of whatever decision it was doesn't actually have any bearing on whether it was the right or wrong decision. That was a like mind-blowing concept that really liberate myself from self-judgment and self-doubt. Tell me what you learned about that in specific. Like, what do you think now about the result of a decision or like the right or wrongness of a decision now from your perspective today? Um, I think it's just a missionary lightness and playfulness. I, and I think one thing we talked about uh, was uh, whether I should move to a different, take a new job at the time. I was with a different company, right? I think I was going through the process of, okay, I hear something about the company. Why didn't I know this? If I had knew this, I would have made a different decision. Um, then toward the end of it, I was still gathering the information from different people about the current, the current company I was in at the time. And the mindset shift, it was like, oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Oh, I'm really thankful for this piece of information I take into consideration. But whether I take action on this additional piece of information, it depends on myself, not how anybody else reacts to that additional piece of information. And also when, when it comes to parenting, sometimes I realize, oh, um, maybe this morning, uh, I think we woke up in the morning and she was not in a very good mood, right? And we're rushing her through the, rushing my daughter through the morning routine. And I kind of yelled. Totally get it. I yell at my kids. 
<laughs> everybody else with their kids on yes. time. <laughs> oh yes, and she just was in a very bad mood and very very disappointed getting out. Then I think the old me would be like, "Oh, why would I do that? I would criticize myself for it." And now the new me is like, "Oh, I yelled. That happens. I learn. And like tomorrow, how am I going to address the situation differently? And maybe to avoid that, it's just a light witness." <laughs> and why do you think you're able to do that now? What has really contributed to your ability to like yell at your kid, which we all know what that feels like, and we all hate it, and nobody wants to do it, <laughs> but it happens to all of us. So being able to like yell at your kid and your response to that is to not beat yourself up and to let it go. Probably not instantaneously, but it's not lingering. It doesn't sound like it's lingering with you much, right? So yeah, I think a couple of things. First of all, in one of the sessions, you help me understand that. Okay. If I yell at her, it's going to have a detrimental effect on her. Is she going to grow up to be a, a yeller? Or <laughs> Right. You like to catastrophize. Right. You like always took it to the like the extreme. To extreme. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm an awful mom for yelling. And, and she's going to be a yeller growing up. She's not going to learn patience when I'm not demonstrating the example of being patient. And she's not going to learn from it. So to be able to really... So not to dramatize, like go go to extreme with the situation. That definitely helped. I think the second thing is that again, I go back to my mom value. Is my mom value says that never yell at your kid. It's not there. <laughs> my mom value is emotional intelligence. And sometimes I say, okay, look at me. I sometimes I lose control too, and it's okay. And I know you lose control too sometimes. That's why we learn from it. And I will say, okay, I will. I apologize. I'm sorry I yelled. And let's not, let's not try to do that again. And let's work on it. Have a better morning tomorrow. We make some changes. We'll have a better routine tomorrow. And we should talk through it. And it's, it brought everybody closeness in the relationship as well. Just being able to go back and say, yelling isn't the problem. It's really how I respond to that because that's what teaches her ultimately in this case is what teaches her emotional intelligence. It's an opportunity to instill something in her and in yourself around the same because you're learning your own emotional intelligence in the middle of it as you get in tune with your own emotions, right? And then you help your kids do that. So I love that so much. So there's a couple of things that I'm highlighting here. Like one of the original questions I had for you as we were starting to talk about this was the process of becoming a confident decision maker, not just making confident decisions, but becoming the person that makes confident decisions. And the very first thing that you offered to us was clarity was such an important part. Like you needed to know your like framework of what's most important to you and feeling like really confident and certain in that so that you can use that as your guide. Now, a couple of other things that have stood out to me, number two that I wrote down was to not personalize decisions, which to me is like when you make a decision, it doesn't come back to you as feeling like you're a bad person if you get it wrong or if you do something wrong or if it doesn't meet the outcome that you want it to meet, like it doesn't mean anything about you personally (laughs) as an individual, as a human, as a worker, as a wife, as a mom, right? Like none of it's personal. It's just, they're just decisions that are out there and they sometimes come to fruition in the way that you want. And sometimes they don't work out. And then that is really the third thing that I wrote down here as you've been talking is that confidence and making confident decisions has nothing to do with the outcome. They're totally separate whether you get to the quote, right decision and it works out in the way that you want or it does not work out in the way you want, aka if you failed, right? I'm going to use the big F word. You failed. That has nothing to do with whether 
the decision was right or wrong or you were confident in making that decision, which is kind of a flavor of the second one too. It's kind of a lack of personalization. Those three things feel so key to being a confident decision maker. Yeah, I think the third one is probably going to be the most, was the most difficult thing for me to overcome. Like, what do you mean? Like your result is a decision. I have always been operating on the understanding that, hey, if the result is bad, then the decision was bad. I was always living in the mode of, I don't want a bad result. So I need to make the right decision. But what is the right decision? So what happens now? If that's not true anymore, that getting to the desired result or not getting to the desired result has nothing to do with whether you made the right decision or not. What does that freed you up to do as you make decisions? Just being present and enjoying what I'm doing. And hey, I don't want to do dishes right now. I want you to sit on the couch, watch cartoon with kids for a little bit. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to worry about the dishes. And or, or if I want to do dishes, I'm going to do dishes. And they're going to be okay. They're not going to grow up to be uh, awful kids because they're watching TV for 20 minutes. Mommy's not watching with them. Just less catastrophizing. And if something negative outcome happened, like, oh, that happened. I didn't know that at the time. Something happened in between. And I do it differently. A lot of that chatter has gone away. Oh, it has gone away. There's a clearness in your brain, a quietness in your brain, which is allowing you to just be in the moment and be present. 100%. I mean, the questions come up. But I'm able to, hey, okay, maybe it's something I need to think about. If it's something I need to think about, I'll tell my brain, I need to process this, but let's put it aside right now. I have the tool. I have learned how to process this kind of negative self-talk. Yeah. Yeah. And you've talked about that before, is that sometimes you'll take in information and you will say, oh, that's interesting. I should think about that. You'll tuck it away in your brain. It's like, I'll set aside some time, whether it's five minutes or it's 30 minutes, like sit and really evaluate in a more intentional way whether the direction I'm headed here and decide if I'm going to pivot based on the new information I have. You try not to let it linger or whenever your brain wants to keep offering it to you, you're like, no, no, I have some time. I'm going to set aside. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to actually write it out. Is this most important to me? What are the new priorities? What are the new criteria? What's the new information and data that I have to rethink about it and to decide? You did a lot of that when it came to your job and deciding to leave your job, right? And ultimately, because you were there was constant data coming in because the situation was somewhat tumultuous. And so there was always like new information coming in and you had to give yourself a formal place, an intentional place to sit down and to think about it and decide if you were going to stay or you were going to go. Yeah. So I think that's something that I really wasn't doing very well is to give myself space to process through some of the questions I have. So they always come up. It's never resolved. So it come up again. It keeps being triggered. So I keep going back to it, but without any solution. So it keeps coming up. After the six months working with you, what I'm able to figure out is that, okay, I don't have the answer for this right now, but I have tools and I have the process I can go through to figure it out later. Let me just put it on hold and I will figure it out later. And I don't need to worry about it now. So that really freed up my mind to be present with what I want to do. To focus on whatever it is that you need to focus on. Yeah. I think at the end of our last conversation, I brought up about teaching my daughter a Chinese, which is my uh, mother tongue. I had a, a lot of struggle and self-criticism for not teaching her that. And she, everybody said, oh, it's, it's going to be a very useful language. And everybody wants to learn it. 
and you can you speak it fluently. Why don't you speak it to her? Right? It just n- never worked out in my family because my husband doesn't speak Chinese, so it never happened that way. Then my decision has always been: should I teach her or not? I'm such an awful mom for not teaching her that. And then I really I just sat down a little bit. Like, that's kind of been has been a conversation in my mind for almost like as long as she was born. So that question keeps coming up every single day and every conversation. It just bugs me. It just took some time. I just sat down and looked at my mom value. Is teaching her Chinese part of my mom value? Like, no, it's not. Not really. But giving her exposure to different culture, different environment, and different activity is my part of my core value. So it's exposure part. So the, okay, it's not a yes or no answer. It's Okay, we're gonna bring a little bit of exposure in our daily life. We have a Chinese Monday. That's when we're gonna watch Chinese cartoons, listen to Chinese music, what reading silly Chinese stories. I also set a reminder on my phone every morning. Speak a little bit more Chinese to her. And that's all that is. That's it. That, stop the chatter. <laughs> so good for four years. So often we don't even realize that our brain is offering to us a question: Should I do the dishes? Should I really look for another job? That's a question. If you were to write it down, it would have a question mark at the end of it, right? It is a question your brain is offering to you. We don't hear it as a question. We hear it sort of like a suggestion or a like a pondering thought. Yes, maybe I should do this. <laughs> yeah, but it's actually a question that your brain is wanting to have answered. It's saying, hey, there's this thing over here that is feeling a little unsettled I'm not sure if you know yet because you haven't really taken the time to decide on it. So I'm just going to keep bringing it up, right? Oh. And this was happening to you at your job, right? All the time. Should I should I really leave? Should I stay? I think it was probably more like that. Should I stay? Should I stay? Should I stay? Maybe this isn't the right place for me. Maybe I should go. Should I go? <laughs> it's in that that you've started to tune in to the fact that your brain offers you questions all of the time and that you get to answer them. And that when you answer it, when you take some intentional time to sit down and say, if I were to answer this right now, should I teach my kid Chinese? What is the information that I have? What are my actual values? Why does my brain keep wanting to offer it to me? What do we gain from teaching it? What do we gain from not? You know, like literally go down and think about it like it's a decision and then get to the end and say, okay, based on the information I have, here's how I'm going to handle this and move forward. And then your brain goes, oh, okay, I don't need to keep asking that because (laughs) you've decided. And all of the questioning in your head starts to really subside when we start realizing that all of those little like, should I do this? Is an actual question that needs to be answered. Yeah, you're 100% right. Just give yourself some time to answer the question. And one one tool that you you introduced to me was just journaling. I've been trying to journaling. I don't know what I would, what I would journal, but that's a part of some, some, you help me find the time. Give some framework. Yeah, give me some framework. But I find the best time during the day and I could do that. So I have been doing that consistently, sometimes just five minutes. And sometimes I don't really have any question today. That's okay. But sit down, think about the question I have for today and what's unanswered and work through that. So I don't have to pop up again. That's uh, very liberating. I keep using that word. I just feel a huge burden of my brain, of my shoulder. The result of that, as I've just heard you say over and over again, is just the ability to be present, which is what most of us want as working moms is to just the time that we are spending 
doing anything, but particularly when we're with our family, is we just want to be present. We want to be deriving the joy of the moment. We want to feel the satisfaction of life and the things that we've done and the people that we love, right? We want to feel really good about our life. And that ability comes when you don't have all of that endless chatter going on in your head. Yes. It's a freedom and joy. Freedom. Yeah. You've said that word a lot. I love that. (laughs) And I feel it. I fear it in your voice. You know, like I feel it, right? Amanda, this is such a fun conversation to have around confident decision-making. I love how far you've come in it. And I think one of the, we'll kind of close on this little topic because I remember such an important conversation that we had was about where you were headed in your career. And there was a session where you declared to me, you said, I'm, I'm going to be a COO one day. That's it. That's what I'm going to be. <laughs> yes. And you said it with such confidence. I was like, have you ever said that before? She's, you're like, no, I've never said that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, really? It sounded so clear to me and you know, to yourself. It was like, oh yeah, this is exactly where I'm headed one day. It was just like a declaration of what's to come. It's inevitable. <laughs> yes. I think it's a confidence that come with it. I don't know exactly how I'm getting there yet. Right. We don't ever know how we're going to get anywhere <laughs> until we decide we're going to go get it. And we're going to go there. Yes. You know, that was the first time I said it. I think prior to that, I said, okay, I want to do something more. I want to have a wide scope of impact. Right. But I'm always afraid of saying that word. Like, hey, who are you to say that? You're far away from your three, four levels removed from that. How are you going to get it? And I was like, now I have a goal. That's my goal. And I will find a way to get there without sacrificing my family life. Find a balance, the way to reach that level, um, whether it's to do it, whether by myself, working with a coach, we'll find a way to do together. I love it. And I don't think that you would have been able to get there and say that with that much certainty and to think that big if we hadn't done all of the work that we'd been doing around becoming the confident decision maker. I think it's such an important connection to make that those bigger goals and those bigger dreams start being said and start being realized when we become that person that can say them. It's a result that comes from confident decision-making ultimately is the ability to dream bigger and believe kind of unapologetically that those things are possible. And also believe that it's inside of me. I need to channel it in my daily conversation with people, with leadership, at work. I'm showing up. Because you're not second-guessing yourself all the time and you believe that you have the answers and you know that you can pivot and you like all of these things that come, right? That is a part of who you've become now. So of course you're going to show up more powerfully and you're going to feel more confident. And so you're going to show up confidently. You're going to speak up in a different way all because of that. Yeah, 100%. Do you have any final thoughts as we are kind of wrapping up here? Maybe any final thoughts to that working mom that is struggling with making confident decisions and feeling kind of stuck? in there? I think it's the mindset shift. That is really the biggest thing. I, like I said, Rebecca, when I approach you, I was expecting like some, a playbook of this is how you should structure your day. And this is how you should handle the messes in the house. Like what's spending the time between playing with the kids, how to manage your time. But I walked away with so much more. It's the freedom. I keep saying that word. It's such a good word. The freedom. <laughs> Of uh, even with the mess, or enjoying the mess, and if it's clean, if you want to clean, I clean. If a mess, I mess. It's just the freedom of not worry about it too much and enjoying it. And so the mindset shift, and it's it has a huge impact 
across every area of my life, at work, at home, in my church community, how I show up in every situation I'm in. I feel confident and also in a way that I want to be a good example for my kids to how to show up confidently, especially with, with my daughter. This is how you show up as a girl. Nobody's allowed to make you feel small and you need to be confident. I feel I'm being a good example for her right now and which is also very empowering. Uh, I love it. So good. Thank you again, Amanda, for coming and sharing your story and your journey. That's just so brave of you. And I have no doubt that you're going to reach all of the goals that you have for yourself. You're such an amazing person. Thank you, Rebecca, for leading me through it. It has been an amazing couple of months, and I don't think I would be where I am today without it. The process happened. It wasn't overnight, but gradually, and I don't even know when I realized that, hey, I'm a different, I'm quite a different person from when I was six months ago, but it just happened. And I remember when you said that your husband mentioned it too. Yes. A couple people mentioned it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, what is, what is the attitude you have? <laughs> yeah. I you love know, it. In, in a good way. You know, so good. All right. Well, working moms, if you are looking to become a confident decision maker, just like Amanda, and you are wanting to be that person, not to be told all of the right answers. Of course, we're going to come to some of those decisions together in coaching, but to be the person that stops second-guessing themselves is less dependent on having to get the quote right answer all of the time and kind of ends all of that endless chatter. Like I'd love to connect with you. I will put in the show notes how you can book a free call with me, which is how it all starts. It's how it started for Amanda and, and we'll connect. All right, Working Moms, let's get to it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want a little extra support as a working mom, I invite you to download my free training, The Secret to Ending Your Workday at 5 p.m. In this free training, I teach you how to shut down your computer and your work brain at exactly the time you want without all those feelings of guilt and like you need to log back on. By the end of this training, you will know exactly what you need to think and do in order to fully engage with your family even after a long workday. To sign up for the training, you can go to www.ambitiousandbalancedcollective.com forward slash end-work-at-5pm. If you didn't catch all that, don't worry. Check the show notes for a direct link. All right, working moms, let's get to it.